from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. It is uncertainty far more than disaster that unnerves and weakens markets. You think about that quote there, and that really sums up what we've what we've just seen, where it's the uncertainty about the coronavirus, the uncertainty about supply chain, the uncertainty about just people getting out of their house and spending money and going to the movies that have really led to the recent market sell-off that we've, that we've just experienced. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. I'm Ryan Dietrich, and up in Boston is Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff, well... I'm going to hand it to you in a second. Worst week for stocks since the depths of the financial crisis last week. How are you doing today? Oh, well, I got to admit it. It's not uh, not much fun to do what we do right now. I guess you could say the most important thing is for people to stay healthy. Um, but uh, a lot of uncertainty here with the uh, coronavirus outbreak, and uh, people are understandably uh, a bit on edge. Oh, absolutely. It um, you know, We're going to dive in, and honestly, I think we're probably going to spend the next 20 minutes or so specifically talking about the coronavirus. But did you do anything fun over the weekend, Jeff, to clear your head after, um, again, a really, really rough week? Yeah, I mean, it was hard to get away from the markets. That that was really, uh, uh, we'll call it stomach-churning volatility uh-huh. last week. Thankfully, we're up a little this morning. Um, so that was certainly my uh, focus, but... Uh, I'm a huge baseball guy, and I did do a fantasy baseball draft. Uh, oh, good. It was a fun uh, diversion. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think it was almost seven weeks ago now. I had a planned trip on Friday just for one day to hop down to Florida to see my uncle for his birthday and some family members that I usually don't get to see. And then, of course, everything going on crazy on Friday uh, or the whole week. But it was it was a neat, just a one-day trip. Went down to, um, I guess, Parrish, which is a little bit south of Tampa is where he lives. It was, it was a fun trip. Saw some family. Had some good dinner. Uh, some good food, and then flew back. Just 20, 25 hours, I think, in Florida is what I did. But So this morning, Jeff, it's funny. Somebody walked by and said, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? Because I thought you were crying. And see, I wear special – don't need to get too into this, but I wear special contacts. And um, my eye doctor on Thursday gave me a different solution to use. Jeff, my eyes are super red right now. I don't look too good. I'm like, I look like a zombie, I think. I'm telling – with all the coronavirus stuff, I'm letting people know I, I'm not sick. I'm okay. But my eyes are killing me right now. So it's – um. This market's bringing me to tears, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, keep them closed and <laughs> well watered. Yes, yes. So so let's get right to it, Jeff. I mean, we know we have a lot of concerned listeners, concerned investors, and concerned advisors that are listening to us every week. So thank you for that. But, you know, this week, Jeff, again, on the podcast, we're going to focus purely on the coronavirus. We're going to kind of do a, you know, what we know now um, or what we know, where are we now? And then going to maybe also focus on some potential good news under the surface because, hey, there's been a lot of bad news. So, Jeff, you know, kind of what we know now, I mean, I'll set up high level and turn it over to you. Three, tragically, 3,000 deaths, nearly 90,000 cases is the latest number. Um, as of the time of recording this, Monday morning, tragically, two U.S. citizens have passed away. Again, stocks were down over 12% last week for the worst week since October 2008. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that sounds bad enough, Jeff. I mean, what do, you, what, what, what do we know now, Jeff? What, what are some of the things that you are watching um, that impact the coronavirus, whether it be stocks or the economy. We got a long time to talk, so we're going to go all over the place. But what's on your agenda right here? Well, I think um, you know, just purely from a health perspective, uh, we obviously want to see the containment measures that have been taken in other countries work. And uh, 
they have generally, I think, worked in China. Uh, certainly some terrible mistakes were made early on, but the number of new cases there has slowed dramatically. Uh, we're certainly seeing a lot of people recover. In fact, the uh, majority of people have recovered. And, uh, you know, if you're in a prime age group, you know, call it under 65, you've got a very high likelihood of beating this thing and surviving. So we've seen that in Asia, and that is, you know, some reason to be uh, reassured, uh, I guess. Uh, you know, Singapore is another one where we've seen success. Um, I mean, you put it in quotes, right? Success. It's, it's tragic, the loss of life. Uh, exactly. You know, one death too many. But um, still, we're looking for the trajectory of this thing to, to give us some roadmap for um, for an end to the outbreak, uh, frankly. In fact, the irony is, uh, you know, if you transition to the economy, the, the worse the economic hit, the better the health outlook, right? Because the more aggressive the containment measure, and in China they were very, very aggressive. Uh, I mean, some, something like 80 million people on lockdown. The more right. aggressive you are, the better the chances are that you wipe this thing out. So um, I think... Um, We'll see more aggressive responses in the U.S. We've seen travel restrictions, certainly. Uh, that's that's a, a no-brainer. We'll probably see more. That economic disruption certainly will show up in first quarter uh, GDP in the U.S. Uh, but uh, if the containment measures are, uh, you know, let's say effective, they won't be as aggressive maybe as they were in China, but if they're effective, then this economic hit will, will be temporary and hopefully uh, the, the stock market can start to sniff out an end to this uh, here before too long. Yeah, so actually, Jeff, this morning I heard that this Jack Welch, the CEO of GE, unfortunately passed away. I think he was 84, 85. And one quote that kind of stood with me was he said, control your own destiny or someone else will. I mean, isn't that unique? You think about the virus and things going on. I mean, one of the best ways that – People can control their destiny, it sounds like, is to wash your hands a lot, don't touch your mouth, don't touch your nose, and don't touch your eyes. I mean, you know, it's, it's just kind of how, uh, how we have to look at it. But, you know, to put things in perspective, Jeff, last week only two stocks were higher on the S&P 500. I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. I don't know what else to do. Um, and those same two stocks are the only two stocks out of 500 that are above their 10-day moving average. It's a very short-term trend line. I mean, I think this just puts in perspective, you know, how really devastating last week was and and how oversold this market really is. And again, I don't want to get too geeky or technical, but there's something called the McClellan Oscillator, just an overbought, oversold a technical term that I watch. All you got to know is we've got data on that back 20 years, Jeff. This is the most oversold market we've seen based on the McClellan Oscillator since only one other time, uh, August 2011, the U.S. debt downgrade. 9-11, flash crash, October 2008, all were very, very low. We're actually lower right now if you look at that one particular indicator. So it's truly fascinating, I think, at how quickly you know we were making new highs two Wednesdays ago, okay, and then down seven days in a row since then. As of time we're recording this Monday morning, have a little bit of a bounce um, on in in markets, but obviously things are are really volatile. So, I mean, Jeff, you know, what are some other things? Where are we now? I mean, you know, what about the U.S.? I mean, you you brought some. We did a morning call for our advisors this morning. You brought up some interesting points about 
you know, just kind of where things stand in the United States and kind of some of the testing kits that are coming and just some of the things that potentially could happen. What do you think about more closer to home? How are things looking? Well, I mean, it's too early to tell. I mean, certainly um, it's reasonable to expect a lot more cases to emerge after the testing kits are more readily available and more you know, tests are more effective. Uh, but at the same time, that'll also bring down the you know the mortality rate we we certainly hope and think so if you have um I mean, we've unfortunately had uh, t- the two deaths uh thus far we're still earlier in this cycle uh, for the virus of course than than China is and so we may see more but um you know it, it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't surprise any of us if we ended up seeing something similar to what has been experienced in South Korea, uh, where um, you know, I think there are upwards of a thousand cases, and that has gone, um, you know, pretty parabolic uh, quickly. So we could see a lot more cases, but you know, in the end, that might end up taking this thing to a mortality rate similar to the flu, regular flu. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about you know a quarter of a percent uh, death rate, not two or three, which is what's been observed in, in China. Exactly. You, you talk about parabolic. I mean, so after last year with the stock market doing what it did, sold off, bond market went parabolic, actually. Um, you know, looking at if you had a well-diversified portfolio, longer-term treasuries had their best week last week since 2013. Just the Barclays Ag, um, a solid bond exposure there, up over 1%, best week it's seen in five years. So, yes, S&P down 12% is extremely significant, but you did see a little bit of a comfort when the tragedy and, and different things hit the, the, what fixed income market did. But the other thing, Jeff, that caught my attention, I just saw this this morning, some internally, uh, Barry Gilbert sent this note around. There's a hundred, I hate to say hundred percent, compliance might not like this, but this is what Fed Fund Futures are saying. hundred percent chance of a 50 basis point cut in March by the Fed. I mean, my goodness, we were saying last week, maybe a quarter. And what do you think? I mean, could we really see that in just a couple of weeks? Or will we even have, maybe by the time we get this, the people listen to this, an intra um, potential cut before intra meeting cut? Do you think that's on the table maybe here? It is, uh, sure. I think um, we're going to start to see economic impact in the U.S. Uh, we haven't seen it really yet. Uh, I mean, maybe there was that one manufacturing survey that had right. a little bit of weakness in it, but nothing that would alarm the Fed. I think uh, after you see some more aggressive travel restrictions and other containment measures in the next several weeks in the U.S., uh, that will have some more economic impact. And uh, that could give the the Fed sort of the ammunition. So an emergency meeting, no, probably not possible, but probably not. I think more likely um, we get uh, we get a cut here later this month. And if the market the market's already sniffing that out, so it's probably part of the rally this morning. The anticipation that we will get uh, Fed intervention and China was very aggressive in stimulating with rate cuts and other measures and. You know, we're certainly going to see uh, other aggressive policy in the other affected countries, whether it's South Korea, Japan, Italy, or others. Uh, this is going to be a very globally coordinated uh, wave of stimulus, and that should help the markets stabilize, even if it's not a panacea. 
Uh, great points there. You mentioned China. You, know, you look at last week, all, you know, I look at like what, 93 or 94 global stock markets. China and Hong Kong were actually two of the best performing stock markets last week. Yes, they were lower, but still on a relative basis. And you think, where did everything start? Started right there. So we're starting to see some some potential positive signs under the surface with China and Hong Kong actually taking the lead. And then even last night, you know, like we said, we'll see where the S&P finishes today. Uh, but when we came in this morning, you know, we had a decent amount of green uh, in Asia, um, in China and Hong Kong, along with uh, J- Japanese Nikkei. So again, just some Hey, after what we saw the last six, seven days, we'll take some baby steps in the uh, right direction. That's what I think we're seeing. You know, Jeff, some, let's maybe let's, let's shift gears for a second and talk about maybe some of the potential positives that we're seeing that are out there. You know, I'll just start with one, then I'll turn it over to you. Uh, seasonality, March and April. Okay, the last 20 years, March and April are the two best months for the S&P 500. Now, when you have a raging pandemic potential or epidemic potential pandemic, so you can throw seasonality out the window, I'm fully aware. But at the same time, that's just, I think, something that you don't want to necessarily blindly avoid here. Also, the S&P 500, right back to kind of the October lows. I mean, you think about the big pullback we've had. Well, we're just back to where we were in October. I mean, so that wasn't that long ago. And with the stretched market, we talked over the last couple of weeks before the sell-off and just how, you know, technology's up 50% last year. Um, you know, just a tremendous run we had. The rubber band was stretched pretty far. We thought it'd snap back. We didn't think it'd snap back this fast. I mean, it was the fastest correction, 10% correction from an all-time high ever. It took seven days. Previous was nine days. So, you know, that's uh, that kind of that caught us off guard, the quickness that the sell-off happened, but the fact that it happened wasn't quite as surprising to us. I mean, Jeff, what in your world, what are some potential positives? Let's, let's just give some good news out there in the face of a lot of bad news. Yeah, certainly tough to focus on, uh, on the good news. I think, um, you know, one maybe reason to be reassured here is the, um, you know, the slowing cases in China. Uh, another reason to be reassured is how effectively prime-age people have survived this virus thus far and have recovered. Um, and then from a markets and economic perspective, I think, um, you know, we basically priced in, I would say, close to half a recession uh, on Friday at the intraday lows. You know, recession, you're talking about maybe a 30% drop, and we were down 15 at the intraday lows on Friday. So when you've got a 50% chance of a recession priced in already uh, and you potentially don't get it, you've got a nice opportunity because when expectations are, are lowest, right, when the most fear is priced in, that's usually uh, a good time to buy. So we're certainly um, you know, thinking about doing that selectively. Uh, remember that when the bond market rallies and the stock market drops, you get – cheaper stock prices, and you get stocks more attractive relative to bonds. So to us, the trade-off in terms of the risks you face and the opportunity you have in stocks relative to bonds looks better now, uh, certainly, than it did a week ago. So um, we're we're certainly uh, taking some comfort here in terms of owning stocks uh, relative to bonds, based on how pessimistic the um, uh, the outlook is. And then the last thing I'll mention, you know, going back to China, I know we're, we're going all over the place. Um, China had manufacturing data over the weekend that was recessionary. 
And once you essentially declare that, that you are in recession, by the way, you can do this for Japan too. Japan's in recession now. Um, and certainly Hong Kong has been in recession. Once you are in a recession and everybody knows it, it's priced in. And then you start to look for any data that gets less bad. And at that point, uh, you typically see a stock market rally. And so I think we we're probably at that point in China where things, at least the market is probably saying, uh, things can't get worse. And that is certainly uh, a positive development here. And that's, I think, why Asian markets have done so well over the last few days relative to uh, the U.S. Well, we can only hope things don't get worse, but those are some great points. It kind of reminds me of a quote that I found over the weekend by John Steele Gordon. It is uncertainty far more than disaster that unnerves and weakens markets. You think about that quote there, and that really sums up what we've what we've just seen, where it's the uncertainty about the coronavirus, the uncertainty about supply chain, the uncertainty about just people getting out of their house and spending money and going to the movies that have really led to the recent correction, <laughs> the recent market sell-off that we've, that we've just experienced. You know, Jeff, also kind of on some positives, lplresearch.com. By the time everyone listens to this podcast, we should have a blog up. And I mentioned some of the potential positives. You already talked about the pullback, right? So we've had a 12.8% correction, again, it's as of Friday, on the S&P 500 so far in 2020. The average correction, you go back since 1980, is about just a hair under 14%. So this is kind of normal. But what caught me even more when I look at some of the numbers there have been 20 years where the S&Ps pulled back at least 10% peak to trough. So that's a you know, pretty pretty good-sized correction and pretty, probably pretty scary every time we saw one of those, those 20 times. The full year actually gained 13 of those times. So you can have these pullbacks, and you can still have a positive uh, stock market, which is kind of, again, our base case here. Um, and the fact that this pullback is taking place earlier in the year, I'm not saying anything that is, shouldn't be totally obvious, there's more time for the stock market to come up. Now, the flip side, the, the pessimists might say there's more time for the stock market to keep going down. Uh, but still, I just think it's just so important to note that pullbacks definitely are part of the game. And when you have a year like last year, where we only had, I think it was a 6% and 7% correction, or pullback, I should say, correction's 10%. Uh, we've, it's been a long time without a 10% correction. We were we were kind of due for one. Then the last thing, Jeff, then I'll go to you for a second. Uh, the credit markets, I've always said, you know, the smartest guys in the room are kind of the credit markets. Look at high-yield spreads, investment-grade corporate spreads, keeping this real high level. They're not showing signs of stress that would suggest a recession is coming. In fact, they're nowhere near that. Um, you look at energy spreads. Yes, the energy sector has been hammered with what's going on there. But the other parts of the credit markets really aren't as concerned right now. And that can change. And that can change in a hurry, I'm aware. Uh, but as long as I'm not seeing the stress in the credit markets, they're saying, okay, we don't believe there's a recession coming. This, you know, this very well could be a potential opportunity to buy the dip. So, Jeff, let's maybe maybe let's go that route. We've got uh, we got about three or four minutes. Where are you sniffing around? If someone said, "Okay, guys, you're bullish. That's fine. We just pulled back 13, 14 percent, even more in some other sectors." Where should someone be looking to maybe add to to hold? Let's say for the rest of 2020, Jeff. Where are the good deals out there? Well, I would say uh, the leader in recent years is probably going to do very well in um, in a comeback. So I would look at technology within equities. We are, you know, generally just thinking about broad, large cap equities. 
not so much. Um, you know, most of our models that we manage here internally are mutual fund models where we don't really have that much control sector by sector, industry by industry. We let the managers do that. But uh, in general, I think uh, technology would be um, a good place to look. And then that emerging markets, you mentioned, Brian, the Asian markets did better. So I think it makes sense to um, to have some exposure there, maybe even add a little bit to it for uh, for those who um, you know have the risk tolerance. Um, it's certainly um, you know natural for uh, people to be nervous given this you know the magnitude of the decline and given the nature of this threat out there. But um, you know, look back in history when. When uh, the fear is greatest, it often creates the, the best opportunity. So, you know, again, nobody knows where this thing's going to go. Nobody knows, um, you know, how far down the stock market might go uh, because of the uncertainty. But um, we think the odds, uh, certainly from here, favor stability uh, somewhere around current levels. And then, you know, as the market, again, sees the uh, this economic disruption as temporary and can at least envision the end of the outbreak, um, you know, that's where, um, you know, we think we'll end up moving back to trend economic growth and uh, and stocks can, uh, you know, start to climb back to prior highs. Yeah, you know, just to add a little bit to emerging markets, I like to think of it like a boat. If everyone's on one side of the boat and you get a little rocky, that's when things can, can capsize. And you look at some of the best investments people have had over the years, it's usually when people look at you like you're crazy when you mention it because, again, it's so one-sided. And right now, if you mention emerging markets as a potential place to find some alpha, some outperformance, or just you know, to diversify your portfolio a little bit, you're probably going to get that look like you're absolutely crazy. And if the other things like the fundamentals, the valuations, the technicals all line up like they potentially are with, with um, uh, emerging markets here, that's an area, area that we like. So, Jeff, I'm going to say a couple more comments and let you um, – sign off and then I'll bring us home. But I want to thank everyone again for being at the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. We greatly appreciate the continued listenership, the comments. If you like this podcast, please feel free and give us a positive review. The more positive reviews we have, the more people that can listen uh, to our weekly podcast. So Jeff, take a few comments and um, I'll bring us home in a second. I'll just close by saying that uh, the U.S. economy is very resilient. The you know, corporate America is very resilient, and that's really what you own when you own stocks is a share of the profits from uh, corporate America or from the corporate world more uh, broadly. So we think um, you know we'll get through this as we've gotten through a lot of um, market shocks over the years, and um, you know it might not be next week, but we think over the coming months, uh, stocks are going to recover from this, start to look uh, over to the other side. And uh, we still think we'll be higher on the S&P 500 at the end of the year than we are now. Amen. That sounds good, Jeff. Great way to wrap it up. Thanks, everybody, for being here. We'll be back next week. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. This material was provided by LPL Financial. It is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts, 
set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, Please note, LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.